Get you, buddy. Blog Talk Radio. Oh, mama, I'm in fear for my life from the long arm of the law. Got miles to go before we sleep. Lawman is putting into my running, and I'm so far from my. We will not go gently. We're going to unleash hell here in December. Oh, mama, I can hear you crying. You're so scared and all alone. Hey, somebody fix this guy's buckle. Hey, 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 coming down from the gallows and I don't have very long. Welcome to the one show that celebrates being hungover. Yes, it is Behind the Steel Curtain presents the Steelers Hangover with yours truly, Brian Anthony Davis, along with my great friend and uh, belated birthday boy, Anthony Defio. Tony, what's going on, my man? I am doing fine, Brian. Enjoying the age of 47. It fits me nicely and uh, looking forward to talking to you. Football, some mini camp with you tonight. Thank you for the happy so that, that kind of, So that means that I'm. A, I actually thought you were six months older than I was, and so I guess uh, since I'm already 47, and I turned 48 this year, I guess I'm the elder statesman. I learned everything from you. That's right. That's right. That's where <laughs> yeah, I get all my, my yeah. wisdom from the charisma. <laughs> Yeah, I'm your role model. That's right. That's right. That's, <laughs> That's right. a mentor. laugh. <laughs> <laughs> then, then we're all in trouble. So actually, a really that just reminds me of a really funny story. And this goes back 10 years to uh, right after the Steelers won uh, Super Bowl uh, 43. This was probably about three months later. It was in April. And uh, a local establishment had brought in uh, Steelers to Maryland to go ahead and uh, for a signing. And uh, Debo was the headliner, and James Harrison canceled at the last minute. But the, uh, the, the other headliner was, ironically, it was two guys from Kent State. So the other headliner was one Jack Lambert, which was fantastic. And uh, Ryan Clark was there as well, as well as uh, Mike Merriweather, one of my favorite unheralded Steelers. I, I consider him unheralded because um, we just don't talk about him as one of the greats, maybe because of the way he went out. But um, I really I really enjoyed him as well. But so we were – it was the day before the signing, and Jack Lambert had come in, and they uh, we were in a mall, and so they put us in a uh, old Dollar Tree store to set up um, – the signing was out in the mall concourse, but to uh, have him do his signings, because when you go to these autograph shows, the uh, dealer gives him so many things to sign beforehand. So they'll give him so many helmets, so many 8 by 10s and then they sell online or in their store or what have you. So we go back, I'm going to call it backstage. Like I said, it was in this old uh, abandoned uh, at this point, Dollar Tree that they've converted into so many different things since then. And there's all this junk around, and there's nowhere to sit. So sitting just like you have always seen him was Jack Lambert. He just didn't have a helmet, but he was on, like, this small little stool, but he he was sitting, like, with his butt in the ground and his knees almost to his chin, just like – you always saw him sitting on his helmet, and it looked iconic. like he could just go out and play. It was, yeah, it was iconic. He was there. Right. He was there with a cigarette and a beer, a beer and he was holding cork. And uh, everybody was uh, everybody was just listening to him. And uh, so, 
he uh, they, there was a tragedy that day. There was a, there was a shooting at IBM um, in upstate New York, and uh, so he brought it up. He was like, "What kind of security do you have because of what happened up in New York?" And no one said anything. I'm like, "Well, there's going to be security." And, the, and I looked at him, and I don't know what I'm thinking. And uh, I just I just shut it out. I said, "Mr. Lambert, my name is Brian Davis." I'm five eight, two fifty, and I've got your back. <laughs> and he looked, he looked up at me, and he just this little smirk, and he just, he just said, "JC, we're all in trouble." <laughs> he didn't say JC, you know. He he said it out. And so, when the reason I bring that up, when you say that I'm your mentor, we're all in trouble. <laughs> I just so one of my favorite. I I can't believe Jack Lambert turned down my help. I uh-huh. promised to have his back, but here's the thing: nothing happened to him. He was safe. So, uh, but 100%. just a fantastic guy. Just w- one of the guys that he he was everything you expected, but he was respectful. I so you know I talk about being from Johnstown all the time, right? Right. And uh, so my father, longtime Steeler fan, and my dad's going to turn 72 this year. And so I would imagine that uh, he's probably about four years or so older than, uh, older than Lambert, four or five years older than Lambert. Now, if my dad would have went to Catholic high school in Johnstown, and if he would have went to Bishop McCord instead of Johnstown High School, he would have graduated the same year, 1965, as one Jack Ham. So um, I just uh, I mentioned uh, I introduced him to Jack Lambert, and I said, uh, Mr. Lambert, this is my father. He's from Johnstown. He looks up. He goes, Hammer's from Johnstown. I guess he called him Hammer. <laughs> I never knew that. And he's like, Hammer's from Johnstown. And my dad's like, uh, Yes, sir. He's like, He extended his hand to my dad and said, sir, nice to meet you. Like, real respectful to my dad. It was just very respectful to me, except for just claiming that I would not be a good bodyguard to him, which kind of hurt my feelings, <laughs> but uh, but but that's okay. But, like I said, nothing happened to Jack Lambert on my watch. I'm just saying. So maybe mm-hmm. I'm not that bad. Um, and then Ryan Clark was there the next day, too. Ryan Clark was, fan- was just an awesome guy. Um, so just a little walk down memory memory lane about one of my favorite Steelers. And I know there's so much to talk about because everybody, everybody that I've talked to today about the show is like, what's going on in minicamp? Which, uh, well, actually I'm lying because I have a show to promote. But uh, we do mm-hmm. have minicamp. Not a whole bunch of Steeler news, Tony, but some roster moves made today. And uh, typically – it, it's funny. We had um, on the show the other night that I do with uh, Jeff Hartman and Dave Schofield, um, they brought out an over-under, and they put it at like 1.5 on how many uh, signings of new players from tryouts there was actually going to be. And I think I'm the only one that took the over. Um, like Jeff even said there weren't going to be any. I was saying uh, that there would possibly be two or three. Um, they're a good bit. So the team signed six new players, five of them who participated in minicamp tryouts. And it's uh, quarterback Delvin Hodges, who actually had a fanta- one of the greatest college seasons ever. He's from Samford. Um, and he broke out Steve McNair's passing records in a single season. So uh, – that's that's something very interesting. Um, an offensive tackle. So two offensive tackles from the great state of Maryland. The Terps just put out two now with the Steelers. Now, uh, to go ar- along with Derwin Gray, we've got Damian Prince. So uh, there you go, two Maryland Terps battling it out to make the team. I don't think we're going to have to make the team, but uh, we'll see what happens. Here's a guy that I love another Toledo player. We love those Mac guys, but 
as of late, we love Toledo players. Deontay Johnson's from Toledo. You know who else is from Toledo, don't you, Tony? Tazara uh, Supper. Well, that's uh, uh, Tazara Skipper. That's who we signed today. Skipper, I'm sorry, Skipper. Skipper, but, I'm uh, sorry. Oh, my goodness. His old – I guess he played outside linebacker opposite one Ola Adeni, who's oh, yeah, also from Toledo. So, so well, Ola and Tuzar, I guess it's Tuzar, Tuzer, <laughs> but Tuzar Skipper is a great name. And if you just hey. look at this guy, he looks like a bad apple. He looks like a guy that you want on your defense to be the face of your defense because he looks angry. <laughs> and I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, guy from, We have a guy from Oregon, Henry Mondo. And uh, Greg Gilmore, actually uh, a defensive tackle, will round it out. The team also signed a veteran player, Johnny Holton, who is uh, as it could be could be some great competition for that uh, that kick returning role. This guy runs a four four, um, super fast. Um, he is a he returns a lot of kicks. Um, Johnny Holton could be a guy. He was on the Raiders. He was on the Eagles. And so we'll see if he could be that special team guy that they just throw in as an extra receiver. Who knows? Um, The releases came out today. Uh, Unfortunately, R.J. Prince, I know a a favorite of uh, uh, Wolf, Craig Wolfley, um, I believe from IUP, if I'm not mistaken. But R.J. Prince... uh, was uh, let go today. Um, defensive tackle Chris Nelson, defensive end Jay Hayes, wide receiver Karan White, and two guys that two notable guys. One that uh, one a former Steeler draft pick, linebacker Keon Adams, who really never uh, never came into fruition. But really, remember Keon? He seemed like a guy that could really make some noise, especially last year. In the uh, in the preseason, what what are your recollections of uh, Keon Adams? Well, I was kind of excited for him about him. You know, he came from a smaller school, but he seemed like a great athlete and he's productive. But you know, I mean, it's just the old saying: they're not, they're not usually willing to give those kind of guys too many injury problems, and and uh, he missed his whole rookie season. And last year he was in the practice squad, I think. And you know, so you bring in a, a guy like uh, Sutton Smith, and, and and you know, hey, let's uh, let's go with the new guy, and 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 you have to part ways with the uh, the guy from 2017. That's usually how 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 this stuff sort of goes. But yeah, I I kind of had I thought he had promise, but well, that's uh, number 99 is now open uh, as Keon Adams. Is uh, is now officially uh, off the team, and a, a guy I'm, and we saw this coming because we uh, we saw Delvin Hodges coming in, and I'm bummed because I really like this guy basically because I love reality television and I watched Hard Knocks last year, and Broken Roback never got a chance to go to camp for the Steelers, and I'm really bummed about it because. I thought he was a talented guy. He never really had a chance with the Browns. He got cut right at the end. Um, really hot girlfriend, as they uh, they showcased her just as much, but I don't think the Steelers really care how hot this guy's girlfriend is. But uh, <laughs> Brogan Roback, we hardly knew you. And uh, the last you saw of him was just uh, making sure that the snacks and the beverages in the quarterback uh, – trailer for the Browns was full. That was pretty much uh <laughs> pretty much uh uh-huh. his claim to fame. But uh, I really wanted to see I thought uh Roback could actually be a really good number three guy. Um but no he's uh he will not be there. The Steelers will still have ninety one players on their roster. Christian Scotland Williamson remains on the team because he's that international player and it makes uh my wife and my mother-in-law happy knowing that a player from England 
because um, my mother-in-law is uh, is 100% British, and uh, she is not a fan of American football because that's not real football to her. But when I told her that uh, there was an English guy on the team, um, that meant that uh, he was okay. So, <laughs> so Scotland Williamson, I don't have my – I tell you what, if he makes the team, I will – be first to have a number 49 Christian Scotland Williamson jersey made. And uh, I'm looking at having having a uh, a jersey made for our our good friend Jeff Hartman because he uh, he always makes fun of Ralph Webb, number 40, the uh, running back. And I'm like, Ralph Webb could make the team. And he completely poo-poos Ralph Webb. If Ralph Webb does make the team, I'm having a Ralph Webb jersey made for Mr. Jeff, um, where when we know he'd much rather have a uh, Mason Rudolph jersey because Jeff has a major man crush on on the quarterback stylings of one Oklahoma State's Mason Rudolph. But with that being said, that's the mini camp happening. What was your perception of uh, of the Steelers after mini camp? You know, it was just three days. I know it's just these guys, and they're not in pads. But um, what's your feeling about the rookie class, and not just the draft class, but the guys coming in off the street as well? Well, as far as the, the draft class, I mean, I heard so many great things about defense, you know, I mean, so far rather well, and he was communicating the defense to his, to his fellow rookies. I mean, it's a lot different than doing it with the vets, you know, training camp. But to me, that that was pretty encouraging. You heard similar things about T.J. Watt, his rookie year, that he was picking up things pretty quickly. And and another guy that I was really impressed with, and that was based on just his interview on Friday, was Benny Snell. I just thought he was – he came up really well there, really confident, really charismatic. And, and you know, I mean, I like James Conner, and I like Jalen Samuels, but I think – you know, this kid, I think he could be a, a, a like a breakout favorite among the fan base sooner rather than later. And as far as uh, the guys that came in today, I don't know who, like uh, know a whole lot about them, but uh, you know, you hear some good things about Holton as far as his speed and his uh, his special teams abilities. But and we heard some things about uh, uh, other players like him in the past too. So you know, I'm 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 not going to get too excited, you know. I think once we see what these guys do in training camp, then, then, you know, they'll earn some, uh, some, uh, fan favorite credentials right now. I'm just going to, uh, let these guys, uh, let, let, let the rest of the summer play out before I, I make a, a judgment on any of the guys that, that, you know, they signed over the weekend. Cause I'm not, I don't really know, don't know a whole lot about any of those, those guys yet. Well, here's my perception of, uh, the little that I saw and, and the little that was reported, um, first of all, Devin Bush is coming in like a leader already. Um, he's calling, calling signals. He's, uh, you could tell that he's coming in prepared. He just seemed like the guy. And that's exactly what we want. Um, Justin Lane. Well, now, Justin Lane's the only one that has not signed his deal as of yet. Don't worry, he's going to. That's, I mean, oh, yeah. he's definitely going to. The guy, the guy changed his bathroom for the Steelers. The guy had a Cleveland <laughs> Browns bathroom, and which I can't say anything because I have a Steelers bathroom in my basement in the man cave. It's um, completely gold walls, um, stuff all around. I mean, it's a complete Steeler bathroom. Um, I did have a little sign on the toilet lid that said Raven's Nest, um, you know, because it was a toilet. It just seemed right. And I once had a sign on the toilet that said, if it's brown, flush it down, and I had a little Cleveland helmet on it. Um, it was a homemade sign. I, I, should, really, I should really have that, that thing made. Um, but <laughs> that would be a good idea. Anybody wants gift ideas for me, have a, a really nice, if it's brown, flush it down with the, the brown helmet on it. That would be perfect for my toilet. Um, with that being said, Justin Lane had a really cool Cleveland bathroom because a longtime Cleveland fan, he's like, nope, it's done. We are not Cleveland fans anymore. And uh, this reminds me of 
a very famous Steeler story from uh, way back in 1976 when uh, the two-time champs drafted a man named, uh, you might have heard, him, heard of him, number 76, John Banizak. Oh, yeah. Do you remember that guy? Oh. Hey, especially, I mean, he's he's still around in, in the Pittsburgh area. Um, longtime coach, um, great player for the Steelers. Um, in fact, I thought he made that, he made that uh, defense even stronger when uh, when he came in and uh, became a starter on the team. But anyways, Banizak was like he was not drafted, but he got a free agent deal with the Steelers, and his family was upset because they were from Cleveland. They were longtime Cleveland fans, and yeah. like he's like, yeah, I got to break this to my dad. <laughs> I've got to go ahead and. Let my dad know that I, I went to the enemy. And I guess it took a while, but I think after two Super Bowls later, I I guess they were all in black and gold. But uh, Justin Lane's dad is a huge, a huge Browns fan. And he's like, son, I'm with you. I mean, so he's he's putting all the brown and orange away. He's joining the Steelers, so Steeler Nation. So, uh Mr. Lane, we're glad to have you and can't wait to see what his son does. But you brought up Benny Snell Jr. And his words when he – I loved his interview because he didn't seem cocky whatsoever. He seemed confident, but it wasn't cocky. But when he said, hey, it's just Benny Snell football, they're like, what is Benny Snell football? And he explained what it was. And I I don't think it was premeditated. I don't – think it was self-promotion I think he was just explaining what he does and you can't argue with 48 touchdowns but when I saw film of him doing drills going through the tires I'm like he just looks the part he just looks like a breakout star um hopefully we don't he doesn't have to be one I mean and this guy's so humble he can't wait he's giddy to meet James Conner I mean that is he looks up to this guy so much he can't wait to meet him. I just love the make out the makeup of this team right now. Um the fact that these guys can't wait to meet veterans. The fact that they're glad to be there. They're excited about being there. This is the most I've seen guys go ahead and uh superimpose their faces in Steeler uniforms. Deontay Johnson did the same thing. Um you know, these guys seem glad to be there, but ready to contribute. So I'm really encouraged what I saw in minicamp. Um, so if we're looking at dark horses and we're looking at sure bets, let's, I mean, you can include Bush at number one, but who's the guy you're going to put your sure bet right now on as, Steeler, Joe Green Award winner. As far as rookie of the year, as far as yeah. the dark horse, who's your rookie of the year? I, I'm going to go with. Uh, well, actually, favorite and dark horse. Oh, favorite. Oh, well, favorite would be Devin Bush, of course, because I think he. We talked about this before. He has the ability, a really great chance to step in right away, and and take that starting job. You know, I mean, you know, he. Might have the, the tools right now to be head and shoulders of everybody else in that inside linebacker room, you know, just like Marquise Pouncey in 2010 and TJ Watt a couple of years ago. So I think he's the favorite. Now, as far as the dark horse, you know, it, it could be a Justin Lane. You know, I mean, I don't think Benny Snell, as much as I like him, and I think he's going to be a, a, a big fan favorite in the preseason. He's going to get a lot of work, but he's just not going to have a lot of opportunities. But Justin Lane, I mean, there's a, there's a chance for him there to really step in and, and, you know, serve a purpose if he if he can can make the team and I think he will make the team as a third round pick and and you know find a role in that in that secondary, I think he could really serve a purpose. I mean Artie Burns, as much as they say they they love him and I, I'm rooting for Artie Burns. I, I like him a lot, but they've obviously lost confidence in him. There's definitely a chance for him to step in and take Artie's role right away. And I think he could be he could be a a, a a dark horse to be that that uh, rookie of the year candidate. Absolutely, he's my favorite, Justin Lane. 
Well, you know what? I, I love I love the Justin Lane pick, and I take credit for the Justin Lane pick because I'm texting everybody. I'm like, it's going to be Lane. It's going to be Lane, mm-hmm. and that's one of the few things that I got right because you, last week I made a proclamation on how many numbers I was going to get correct. Oh, it was brutal. I, I got destroyed. Um, but mm-hmm. I knew they were going to pick Justin Lane just like I knew in 2016 they were picking Javon Hargrave. I just knew it. And I was uh, – my friends are like, who? I'm like, just tr- just look them up now because they're gonna select them in about uh, in about ten fifteen picks. This is the guy they're going with. Um, so for some reason, I know third rounders, I guess. Um, but with that being said, I I agree with you on Bush. I mean, there's but if I had to put number two to Bush as a favorite, I would put Justin Lane. So I'm going Bush one, Lane two. Um, and I, I would put Snell three. So I wouldn't even put Snell as a dark horse because I would put him, if we're ranking Snell's three, because with 48 touchdowns and with the Mike Tomlin and the uh, team kind of seeing the light, and uh, when I say seeing the light, they saw what happened to their season. And you could correlate their season going down the tubes with James Conner going out. And uh, it just so happened that uh, he wasn't there for uh, – he was there for half of the loss to the Los Angeles Chargers, but uh, he wasn't there for uh, some of the other ones. Wasn't there for New Orleans. Wasn't there for the Raiders. Um, so with that being said, I I think, uh, I think they're going to give – both Samuels and uh, Snell a lot of playing time. I think you might see Snell in a lot of uh, um, short yardage situations and goal line situations as well. Um, So this is a guy that uh, I think will see considerable time as a rookie um, in changes of pace and get some opportunities. Um, I think he is more tailor-made for a starting role than uh, what Jalen Samuels is. I think Jalen Samuels might even be a better third down back, even though they don't really employ the third down back like they used to in the Bill Cowher days when uh, Veron Haynes and when Amos Zaraway, I know Amos Zaraway was a starter at one point, but uh, when they went ahead and used that third down back a lot, maybe you might see situations like that as well. Um, but it used to always bother me, though, with the third down back when it was like third and 14 and they're just handing it off to Veron Haynes. And I'm like, stop it. And Veron Haynes mm-hmm. would get eight of them. But, I mean, right. I want you to chuck it down the field. That's just uh, that's just me. But if I'm looking at a dark horse, I'm going to throw a crazy one out there. And I'm going to say Sutton Smith. I really think Sutton Smith is has – the ability and the potential, even though he's small, to play a lot on special teams. And those outside linebackers, they're thin and outside linebackers. Somebody goes down. He could even be a starter, which you don't want that to happen. But I'm just throwing out Sutton Smith as just a dark horse for me. I, I uh, Not only do I think he's going to make the team, I think he's going to be very important. And even though he's not – an inside linebacker, even though he could play an inside linebacker, I think special team ability, he will push Dirty Red off of the team. Um, I actually think Matakevich really, uh, that's a guy you watch this year that uh, he's got to have an amazing camp to uh, keep his job as far as I'm concerned. And I love Dirty Red, I, uh, but you never want to see Dirty Red anywhere but special teams. Would you agree with that, Tony? Oh, yeah. Like we talked about last week, um, you know, he, he's had three years now to prove himself at least in a reserve role, and he has yet to really make a mark in the, at that position at all. I mean, he's a great he's a great special teams guy. I think we can both agree that he's unbelievable. But if they find somebody at a different who, – who they think has better upside at his actual position – they're going to give him a chance to make the team as a special teams player, and that might be Sutton Smith. Absolutely. So yeah, I think I think Georgia Red might be in trouble. 
So one more guy to talk about. I know we did this last week a little bit too. I'm really pumped about P.J. Locke. Um, I actually think he's a lock to me. Pardon the pun, but I really think in the safety position, he is uh, the one guy as an undrafted free agent that I really think makes this ball club. Um, so I'm really excited for this guy. I, uh, I think he just looks the part as a safety. I think he could be a very good player for this team. I think he could be a Mike Hilton. Um, maybe that's a lot to throw on this guy, but and I know Mike Hilton was not our undrafted free agent, um, but he's, he's a guy that I'm really excited about. Um, so with that being said, the Steelers 2019 draft class is, would you agree with me, they are still gloriously in the honeymoon phase. Is that true, Tony? And if so, could you elaborate? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, well, I, mean, I wrote an article about that over the weekend. I mean, and we talked about Benny Snell. I mean, he's he's your typical preseason fan favorite because, you know, he's a running back. Steelers fans love running backs, right? And, and he's he downhill runner, four, four-minute offense guy, possession uh, running back. He's the kind of uh, running back that Steelers fans love. So, you know, I, I joked that you know, like three or four times that, you know, different guys were the steal of the draft. And that's, that's what we say all the time. And, and the reason why I say this is I remember when people said that about Chris Rainey. You remember Chris Rainey in 2012? Oh, yeah. yeah. He, out of Florida. He hate me's brother. He was a yeah. stepbrother to the famous he hate me. Yeah. Right. And he was he was the steal of the draft. He was fast. You know, they were going to find so many things for him to do in the offense. And he lasted one year. I mean, he had gotten some trouble off the field, and they cut him. Well, he, he was beating really... women, and that, that doesn't help. Right. Right, yeah, but I mean, he he really didn't do much in the NFL after that, you know. So, and that and that's what we, yeah, you know, that's how we feel every year at this time. I mean, there there was a time when, when like we talked about Keon Keon Adams, I thought he was going to be something. He could he could make the team, and he never really made a mark. Uh, I, I used to I was a big fan of Sammy Coates uh, a few years ago. I thought, oh man, my God, Sammy Coates, he's going to be, he's going to take um, Plexico or not Plexico. Uh, Martavis's place, right? He really didn't. He he got hurt in 2016, and he was nothing after that. I don't even know if he's on a roster anymore. But I mean, this time of year, Martavis thought know, he was going to take his place too. <laughs> yeah, oh, I know. As he as he told uh, as he told Juju, <laughs> but um, but you know, we we always have have great optimism this time of year, and that's why it's great. But you know, we can look back to the past and see that. You know, if they, if they can get a few guys out of, out of this draft class that are that are superstars or or even starters, that that'll be a great thing. So, I just hope that that uh, they do find at least more more than more than the average uh, as far as uh, uh, you you would get out of out of an annual draft class. I hope they find that this year because they they could use it. Well, what do you consider? Let's just say starters. Starters from a draft, if you get 40% starters, like, you know, typically, I know there was nine picks this year, but, you know, typically three of seven is a pretty good number. Wouldn't you agree? It's a fantastic number. I mean, I, I think that would be, that would be ideal if you can get that out of this draft class. And that's sure. what Every people, year if you get three. People don't understand that, they think the Patriots are amazing drafters, and they're not. They're good no. drafters. Just like they're probably one of the better drafting teams in the league. But there's a lot of second and third rounders that fail on that team from that team. I mean, right. and what I have friends that think Kevin Colbert's the worst ever because he just can't draft the play. I mean, he because they they have a fifth round pick or a sixth round pick that doesn't make the team. And yeah. I'm like, it just doesn't work that way. You know, I mean, because then, so if you're going to get all nine, then you have drafted players that aren't going to, from a year or two ago that you're cutting loose. And so now it's, uh, it's not a success anymore. There's only so many spots on the roster, and people don't understand 
you can't bring in seven to nine guys when you have other guys on the team. But people – go ahead. Well, and, and if all got nine guys make the team, what does that say about your 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 roster anyway? It says that you need a lot of help, and they don't need a lot of help. They need some help. So I think you don't want all nine guys making the team. I mean, it would be great if that if, if they were all that good. But what, I, what I'm saying is, it, it would be it, it, it wouldn't be a, the best thing for the Pittsburgh Steelers if they needed all nine of their draft picks to make the team. Well, we know Bush is a lock. We right. were pretty. We know Deontay Johnson's a lock, it, and uh, I, I got to tell you, you've got three and four Lane. <laughs> excuse me, um, Johnson's also a three. You, you kind of, even though he's the second pick, you kind of, uh, you kind of look at him as a second rounder, even though he is a third rounder, because he's the second pick from the team. So uh, we can't lose sight of that. But Johnson's a lock. He will make the team you know Snell and Lane are going to make the team. And then you start looking at guys like, let's start with number five and Gentry. Gentry. Is Gentry making this team? Well, I think, I think he's, 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 I mean, I joked about, about him being a, a you know, a athletic freak because he looks like Rob Gronkowski, but he's the one guy that, you know, you could see them kind of saying, all right, yeah, he needs a lot of work. We can probably get out and go out and get another number three tight end off, you know, off the waiver wire at the end of training camp, and maybe him making a practice squad. So I think he's tentative based on his college production and his experience. I mean, he started college as a as a quarterback, so I could see him realistic realistically not making the team. Yeah, he would be the first one I would think that would that would. Be. Okay, uh, you know, and I I agree with you on that. I kind of think he's going to be penned in to be the number three guy. But things can happen. And uh, we're going to go off track a little bit here. And uh, just real quickly, there was an article written on the that the team is looking at, uh, excuse me, the team being the Minnesota Vikings, are looking at putting Kyle Rudolph on the block. Should the Steelers go after a guy like that? And that's a really good question because it's going to take a pretty high draft pick at this point. Um, you already gave up a third, even though even though you have a third next year, you have an extra third that you've already given up. Um, what would it take to get a guy like Rudolph? And is it really with what they have? Is it really worth um, sacrificing a, a 2020 pick for this guy? I mean, if 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 Vance McDonald didn't exist and you were dealing with, you know, as you're sealing as far as your depth chart, as, as a Jesse James, who I liked a lot, but, you know, he has, he has limits, then I would say, yeah, you, you definitely go after a Kyle Rudolph because that's kind of what they did two years ago when they traded for Vance McDonald. But now that Vance McDonald has had the, the 2018 season that he's had and you're paying what you're paying him, I, I think bringing in a Kyle Rudolph, you know, even if you could afford it, which I don't think they can, either financially or, or Is it is it is it Vance McDonald or is it Kyle Rudolph? Because I guarantee you, Kyle Rudolph wants to be the number one tight end, no matter where he goes, based on the money he wants right now. And based on, I would say you're 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 opening yourself up to a uh, a a a problem similar that we had with Morgan Burnett last year, where he wasn't satisfied with his role. And I think you would have that with with Kyle Rudolph. Would he want to be a number two tight end? I don't think so. So. I don't think it's worth it for a lot. Of, I mean, it would be great if it was like a fantasy football kind of thing, but as far as real life, I don't think it would be. It would be in their best interest to go after that guy. I think you need to get a a veteran tight end along the lines of a Matt Spath, who can be your your blocking number two tight end. But as far as a a, a luxury tight end, uh, no, I don't think it's worth it. My sentiments exactly. I would love to have them, but it's not realistic, and it's not worth. Uh, giving up uh, draft picks for pro- what I'm not saying that he's a problem, but making a problem situation. Um, and you can definitely do that with that. So let's get back to the guys on the draft. Um, we're talking about just realistically making the team. Sutton Smith 
I think he makes a team, Tony. I I think he makes it mostly as a, a special teamer. Um, and I think uh, I think the two other guys, uh, um, I, excuse me, Isaiah Bugs. Um, he's a defensive lineman with Keon Adams gone. Even though he was considered a linebacker, he was a defensive end linebacker, he's an edge guy. But I think that gives you some depth on the defensive line. I think those are guys that uh, that I could definitely see on the team. And then there's uh, Ulysses Gilbert as well. Um, he's pro- I'm probably on the fence. I, I probably feel like he's a practice squad guy just because of uh, – you know the depth that you have at inside linebacker right now that you just didn't have before. But I, he might be considered an outside linebacker as well. And then there's Ola Denny. So let's take those three guys. Um, they could be up for debate. Let's look at uh, Sutton Smith, Isaiah Bugs, and uh, Ulysses Gilbert. Sutton Smith, I mean, the depth at outside linebacker, I mean, you're getting rid of Keon Adams right away. He's gone. So you have uh, Dupree, Watt, and Ola. I, oh, no, Anthony Ciccolo is your top three. And then Ola would be your, your number four right now. So there's definitely still room there for a, a Sutton Smith, especially if he can excel on special teams. And as far as Gilbert, I mean, Gilbert, you don't have fourth there anymore, right? He's gone. Uh, you probably, you know, Medikevich, like we talked about, he hasn't shown you anything as an inside linebacker. So if Gilbert can come in in the preseason and show you something, then there is a chance that he makes he he could make the team. But I'm kind of leading with you. I think he might be a practice squad guy because they have Mark Barron in there and everything. And and uh, as far as Jalen Gray, uh, Gray, I'm sorry, Bugs, uh, yeah, the, the lineman from from Alabama. I mean, Big Dan, he's had so much, so many years to prove himself, and he really hasn't made much of a dent. He's just a depth guy. You know, he's a, um, he's a roster clogger at this point. So, I mean, was uh, productive at Alabama. So, yeah, I definitely think he could he could steal a roster spot. So I'm I'm more confident with him than I am with the other two. Actually, I think he could actually actually uh, step right in and and, and be a depth guy on a defensive line. So I'm, I'm looking at seven guys, right? And we didn't get to Derwin Gray. Um, there's a possibility. It just depends what happens with the Gerald Hawkins. But right now I think uh, Gray is and uh, Gilbert are probably um, going to need to go to the practice squad. But I could see seven guys making this team outright. Um, but w- with that, then you've got to see who goes away. But you brought up a good point because uh, you still have you still have a guy like uh, Foot that needs to be replaced. Excuse me, not Foot. Fort that needs to be replaced. Um, yes. So I don't know. I still don't know who are, are the inside linebackers um, beside on this in this draft class. Besides Devin Bush, I don't know if uh, I don't really know what Gilbert is. I don't know whether he's considered an outside or an inside linebacker. Um, I don't know really what they're going to do with Sutton Smith, whether they're going to make him an inside linebacker, um, because that's not too much of a position change when you get to this point. But here's a guy that knew how to get to the – he was undersized, but knew how to get to the quarterback with 15 sacks and 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 uh, 30 career sacks, and most of them coming in two seasons. Um, so here's a guy in Sutton Smith that, you know, probably makes the team. Um, but just where at? You know, like I said, you know what the depth, depth chart at corner looks like. So you know lane safe. You know the depth chart at wide receiver and inside linebacker with Bush and Deontay Johnson. You know what they look like. Um, you know what – you know how it's going to look for Snell because Snell's expected to be the number three guy. And, and he typically 
heck, they kept Steven Ridley last year. Yeah. I mean, this is a huge upgrade over Steven Ridley. Um, Absolutely. So, with with him, I mean, Steven Ridley was basically last year to Connor. Um, it wasn't expected to be that way because everyone thought Le'Veon Bell was coming back. Um, nobody would have dreamed that he was going to have to be the number two, and him being the number two cost them. Um, that definitely cost him in the New Orleans game. Definitely, pretty much him being the number two cost them a uh, a playoff spot. Um, so that because that fumble was. That fumble was a killer, and I know Juju fumbled in that game too. But Juju's your number one guy right now. Deontay Johnson's going to jump right in. So we know those top four guys are getting spots. It looks like right now Gentry's your number three tight end, unless something happens with, uh, like you said, he just doesn't. Uh, he doesn't. He turns out to be more of a project than anybody guessed. And then they they go with somebody all of Bucky Hodges, even though Hodges is not coming to camp because he was cut. But they go with a guy like that, like a Jake McGee, who's not with the team anymore. But you know what I'm saying? I an unheralded guy that makes it as an undrafted free agent, like a uh, Xavier Grimble, who did, right. who is now your, in all intents and purposes, your number two guy. Um, which I've softened on my uh, Grimble um, boycott because I'm, I'm so mad. I'm still ticked off at him from the uh, the Broncos game. Um, I hope he learned from that, and I'm going to just trust that he has. But just uh, one of the most egregious and the worst excuses ever, saying he wanted to punish a guy when you just get yeah. in the end zone. I hope somebody talked to him and said that's your – you're getting a get out of jail free card, but you're never getting one again. Don't ever. I mean, it's just like uh, uh, Lou Brown of the Indians in uh, Major League. Don't ever do it again. Um, <laughs> so I, I'm hoping that's the case. Um, you know, Gray has a possibility. Gray could make this team. We've seen it with a seventh rounder before too. It just depends how things uh, shake up. You know, Filer's still there, but Filer's your starter. So who are going to be the backups? Um, that's just what has to be decided because now Marcus Gilbert's gone. He's no longer yeah. there. Um, right. You expect, you know, BJ Finney's still. Uh, your backup garden center. So he's probably your sixth guy in the lineup. They This is make or break for Gerald Hawkins. Um, if he's healthy and he should be healthy coming in, he's probably your number seven guy. Um, Chukes, uh, actually, Chukes is probably your, num- your, uh, your next tackle coming in. So you you would have Chukes seven. You would have number eight being uh, Gerald Hawkins. Typically, they keep about nine offensive linemen. I mean, that could be Gray. Yeah, there's no it reason. could be. Uh, it could be somebody else. Is there? Is there anybody I'm missing? Because um, who am I missing on the offensive line, Tony? Because I mean. Because Gilbert was basically only there for a couple games last year. Um, yeah, you had, you had about the. De- trying to think about that line last year, and uh, we knew who the five starters were, and Filer basically being one, and Finley, Finney being another. Um, so, I know I'm missing somebody. Uh, I know Mihalik's gone. Um, I'm I am at a, I'm sure I'm missing somebody, and uh, somebody could tell us as plain as day who we're missing. But right now it is ex- escaping me. But um, Derwin Gray has 
a definite opportunity to make this team. So, uh, I mean, but right now I'm still going with seven of nine. I'm I'm thinking that's probably what you're going to see as these guys uh, for these guys coming in, and you know, one or two undrafted free agents will make this team. Right. So uh, you would just have to decide who's who the turnover is going to be. Um. And right. Oh, I did forget about a guy, Zach Banner. I knew there was oh, an yeah, extra yeah, guy. Yeah. He didn't. I mean, I love the fact that he was six eight, three sixty. He's just a big guy. Um, but uh, he might be he might be an expendable guy there. Um, he hardly got a hat. He was mostly uh, a game day scratch last year. Um, so we'll just see what happens with like Hawkins coming back. Hawkins was never on the roster last year, so. Um, there's an opportunity for one of these guys, Damian Prince included, who just just uh, got a job out of mini camp. Um, there's there's an opportunity for these guys to go ahead and get jobs. Um, who, how many new guys? We we don't know. Um, it, it's it's going to be exciting, and I can't wait. So that's our wrap up. That's the hangover. Um, we talked about minicamp, talked about the things we're excited about. So uh, from here, we just got to count it down to, uh, to late July and, uh, and St. Vincent. So, Tony, thanks so much for joining us this evening. Thank you, Brian, and, and you brought up a good point. I mean, we're, we're seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, two and a half months until training camp, and I actually can't wait. So, uh and I can't wait to talk to you again next week uh, at the same time, uh, Monday night. You have yourself a good week. I will. I will definitely do that. Thanks so much, and I will see you soon. Friends, that's the hangover, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye now.